What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 213 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. My name is Tim Baerbeck, and I am your host through said podcast. And sorry I've been absent for a couple of weeks. It's been a bit mental, just, yeah, getting back and doing gigs and stuff and just busy life. So haven't had a chance to sort of sit down and edit stuff. Um, and this week's episode was a bitch to edit because there was quite a few technical issues, so it took me a little longer than it would usually, and I got impatient with it. So yeah, we're a few weeks behind, but we're back. We're back with a bang, and it's my podcast. I can do what the fuck I want, basically. So there we go. Um, but in the time that I have been away, as I say, I've been to quite a few gigs and stuff which has been really cool uh did damnation festival with uh the good friends in svalbard it was really cool to to kind of get back into the sort of bigger sort of all day a festival sort of vibe of things um good friends here in in bristol uh isaac from punch on put on uh, a noise show with fellow friends um nice to have existence and former podcast guest cremation lily uh, when I saw on a snop, which was just ridiculous grindcore, and literally last night went and saw Conan uh, at the exchange in Bristol, and it made me go a little bit deaf because they are fucking heavy as hell. So yeah, been been a busy, busy boy. Um, and to top off as well with the live music, we've just had insane releases as always. Uh, so the Slap Bomb record, absolutely incredible. Headcount beautiful straight edge record of course i'm gonna like that the seat new c space cowboy record new emma ruth rundle record 2000 stab wounds which is just ridiculous uh the new shackled new wise and a band that i actually discovered who i'm cannot stop listening to now is a band called valley so uh highly recommend going to check them out as well if you get the chance um I'm babbling as always, but you've missed me babbling for a couple of weeks, so you get my extra babbling, so so we should say. But let's get into the guest. This was a really cool one because uh, it was a get a band that I sort of discovered in my my late teens, and I've seen them sort of grow and flourish. And it's cool that they're still a band and still doing their thing. Uh, I'm joined by vocalist of Pulled Apart by Horses, Tom Hudson. We talk about the band's rise to fame and how they kind of blew up before anything any of their music was released they were they were literally like one of the first kind of like rumor mill bands of, of the early 2000s uh where it was very much lip service of you need to go see this band and then their reputation preceded them and they just sort of blew up um but we talk about the other bands that tom was involved in before pulled apart by horses and how they ended up getting in a tour spot for um, Eagles of Death Metal tour. But again, just weird circumstances that led them onto that. Um, we talk about horses being signed to a major label and what that kind of meant for them and what their ambitions are now. And obviously Tom kind of relinquishing guitar duties just to focus on vocals and obviously the excitement that they have for a new record coming out at some point next year and we'll be touring again in the new year as well. So lots of exciting stuff happening in the horses camp. So yeah, please sit back, enjoy the chat I have with Tom and I'll see you on the other side.
Right, so joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is vocalist of Leeds Rockers, Pulled Apart by Horses, Tom Hudson. Tom, thank you very much for taking some time out of your day to have a little chat with me. Um, how is everything in your world? And I guess the Pulled Apart like camp, because obviously big news with you guys kind of release, well, set to release the, the fifth album. So yeah. have you kind of got that like buzz again? Like, because obviously without having music for nearly two years sort of thing so how's everything in the camp um yeah it's good it's kind of uh i'm super like happy to like get some new stuff out and like you know there's more there's like an album a new album on the horizon but uh still a little bit like apprehensive as well just because of like everything that's gone on and like shows that have been cancelled not as but like other shows yeah. cancelled in the past and whatever so yeah i'm kind of just like dipping my toe in the water you know just sort of taking it one step at a time yeah but like yeah. yeah super psyched to like have some like dates that we've released and stuff slowly coming back so that's cool have you personally like been like gone to to any shows or anything yet or are you still kind of playing things by ear yeah man yeah i've um i've been to a few uh i went to see my mate's band john um play at the Broodnell the other week and that was the first first gig I've seen at the Broodnell social club in like two years or something so that was like absolutely amazing it was like a double whammy like seeing those guys because um they're from like down south yeah so I haven't got to see them for like ages but yeah that was really cool and then um yeah and then saw like crack crack uh crack clouds um and then went to a couple of old days at uh Mabgate Bleach oh, nice. in Leeds. Um which have been really cool. But yeah, just slowly getting back into things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think like I don't know if you found it because I've I've done the same, I've been to a few now, but like definitely the first couple initial ones, it was very kind of like this is weird but really nice at the same time and like yeah yeah I, weirdly i went to uh, an old air at the brood now as well even though like i live in in bristol but i was with um, my friends in svalbard and like just because there were so many people there that i hadn't seen in so long it was more like a social gathering than a gig because like you were just catching up with everyone there it was really yeah. really cool yeah that's kind of like that's what it was like at that um old air at mabgate bleach because i was like just kept bumping into like i was saying to someone it's um like after like all the lockdown like pandemic stuff you kind of forget like about the peripheral pals yeah (laughs) you know what i mean like all the people you're just so used to like being like oh i'll see them at another gig soon or whatever and it's like yeah there's so many people i hadn't seen that like i totally forgotten about but like it was so good to see it yeah yeah Uh, and i was like just chatting outside and then i was like oh crap there's there's bands playing like (laughs) that's why i'm here (laughs) so i'd like nip in every now and then and try and catch some bands yeah i can definitely relate to that um but as i kind of said before like i hit the record button i always like to take my guests back to their kind of roots and origins so to say so what kind of got you into alternative music in the first place like what was the jumping in point for you um i think it was partly through like my parents Mm. um like through my dad um he's sort of he's always been he's he's like an engineer right um but he's like always been like creative 
I think he wanted to go to like art school, but like back then when he was like a teenager, it was like, you've got to paint an oil painting of a horse <laughs> yeah. or something. So it, yeah, so it didn't quite work for him, but he's always like him and my mom have always stayed like really into like bands, but like constantly chasing like new bands mm. and stuff. And um, in like the nineties when I was like, sort of at like primary school and stuff, um, I'd just be like nicking all his CDs. Yeah. Like he'd be playing like Nirvana, Nevermind, like Radiohead, The Benz, and um, like Smashing Pumpkins, Pearl Jam, and all that sort of nineties stuff. Uh, yeah, just like playing it in the car, and then like just subconsciously, uh, blasting me with alternative music. Yeah, that's <laughs> really cool because I think like a lot of. I don't know, some people, like, you kind of go, I'd go two ways with, like, especially, like, influences from parents, I find. Like, you can either get, like, the quote-unquote cool parents, like, who have, as you say, like, the Nirvanas, the Pearl Jams, and, yeah. and things like that. Or you have, like, the parents who, when you get into that, they kind of think, like, oh, my God, what is this noise kind of thing? So, yeah, mm. it's cool that you kind of had that, that pathway, even if it was yeah, subconsciously. <laughs> Yeah, he just got pissed off at me for other reasons because I'd just be like stealing all his CDs and he'd just be like, Where's, where's that gone? Yeah. I hadn't seen it anywhere for ages. Um, but yeah, like the only thing I remember being like annoyed at him about is because he's like, I mean, I'm the same as well because he's like always moving on and finding new bands or whatever. I'd, it didn't really like get me into the bands that he used to listen to. Right, Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like I remember like, like it was like it's it's like i'd listened to like nirvana and all these alternative bands before i'd even like heard like the beatles yeah and yeah hendrix and led zepp and i almost had to like double back on myself and go and figure all that older stuff out for myself after do you know what mm. i mean when you do that sort of thing where you're like you know like um with like nirvana like kurt cobain was like massively into like the stooges and then like loads of like uh more obscure sort of garage rock stuff and whatever so i remember like geeking out on that and trying to find stuff you know you kind of backtrack don't you through your band's yeah, influences yeah. or what they're into but yeah so then in terms of you kind of like then going off and kind of digging and, and finding sort of like quote unquote your own band sort of thing where did you kind of go from from there in terms of like i guess bands that you were seeking rather than like stuff that your dad was putting you onto um well there was like um like backtracking through like old school stuff i mean i'm I'm still doing it now mm. like i've spent like the past couple of years getting like really obsessed with um velvet underground right. and like stooges uh like iggy pop but then also like um like you know like those like daunting bands that have got about 40 albums and you're just <laughs> yeah. like where do i even start with that man i can't think off the top of my head but there's been a few of them where i'm like all right well i'm just gonna work my way through their uh catalog mm. but i guess mm. i guess when i was like in my teens um like i've got a brother that's three years younger than me and so like me and him were like kind of like looking for like more abrasive sort of stuff so we we got into like more post-hardcore stuff um 
like Glassjaw, At The Driving, Fugazi. Um, we used to really love uh, a band called Blood Brothers. Yeah, from yeah. Seattle that are um, managed to like see him a couple of times, which were just like insane. Just like two singers screaming yeah. at you constantly. But like this really like off kilter musicality to the stuff as well. It weren't just like, you know, a lot of hardcore is just some like big testosterone yeah, filled yeah. guy that's just like, yeah. <laughs> but it, but they were different. They were kind of like camp and like had like a femininity about them which I really liked, you know, it was quite cool. Um, you know, they had like some polar opposite mm. stuff going on, but yeah, I got into like loads of post hardcore stuff and, um, and then like also, well, before that was like new metal <laughs> as well, <laughs> Yeah, you know, which, which I'm kind of, I've got like a little, a little small, like warm place in my heart. Yeah, for yeah. New metal. You know, there was like Limp Biscuit corn uh deftones which were lumped in with new metal but i don't think i don't think they are new no metal. they've not, definitely transcended it haven't they yeah not not sonically they kind of just exist in their own pocket really mm. don't they but yeah kind of i mean there's probably a lot of shit as well that i listen to <laughs> that it's like it it didn't really stick you know you know at the time where you're just like all right, I'll listen to that. Yeah, but, yeah. Because it's like some, I don't know, Papa Roach wannabe yeah. <laughs> yeah. band or something that are jumping on the new metal bandwagon. Definitely. Um, on the new metal cold chain. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've got to ask, just because you brought it up, you might not have, but have you heard the new Limbiscuit album? No, but... Um, me and my girlfriend watched uh, some of the Limp Bizkit Lollapalooza. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. And it's it's actually really good because I think they've got to a point where they're like self-aware. Definitely, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? They're kind of like, yeah, we're a bunch of like old dudes playing ridiculous heavy rap rock. So that, but they're kind of like playing with it. That's essentially what the new record is and I like I yeah. I absolutely love it because it's almost like a joke on themselves but it's really fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. It's like it's just dumb fun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um I remember like we played um Puckle Pop Festival once and uh we got to see Limp Biscuit but we were like on side of the stage watching Oh it. sick. And I remember like Rob our bassist um went to like Wes Borland was like walking past him and he, he went to say like have a good gig man and he patted him on the back but Wes Borland was covered from head to toe in like black oil like body paint <laughs> and like Rob just like looked at his hand after and it was just covered in like black tar and he was like oh what what the fuck that's amazing <laughs> and then to make it even better um there was a point in like in one of the songs where Fred Durst was like I want to get all the girls to come up on stage and dance with me right now. And so like all these girls are like jumping over the barrier to get on stage with him. But our tour manager, Dom, was at the front of the crowd and saw all us, us guys stood at the back of the stage watching. And then he was like, oh, there's the guys because he'd been looking yeah. for us for ages. And so like... As soon as uh, Fred Durst was inviting the girls on stage, he just jumped the barrier as well and got up. And then you just heard Fred Durst on the mic grab him and go, you're not a girl! <laughs> and, like, just shouting it out. 
<laughs> That's so good. That's amazing. Yeah. Just got an angry shout yeah. out from Dirt. <laughs> Um, so then in terms of you kind of like playing music and stuff, obviously it sounds like your your parents were kind of creative and very sort of uh, like open to sort of musicality and stuff. So did they encourage you to kind of like explore music or did you kind of like was wanting to play music something that you wanted to pursue off your own back? It's a bit of both, really. I think I think they sort of supported me and they, and you know they were dead supportive of me having something you know to like get stuck mm. into because i hated school apart from like maybe like art and english and music lessons so like i think they were just like oh tom's found something that is like fully engrossed in yeah that yeah. that is like thinking about doing all the time but um yeah, when I was about 11, I think I got like 10 or 11, I got my first guitar, uh, just like a shitty acoustic. And uh, and then I got an electric that stayed in tune for about two seconds. Every time you strummed it, it went out of tune. Um, and then, yeah, and then I started having guitar lessons with this like stoner dude called John, John Peck, who was like semi-bald but still had really long ginger hair amazing and i was like too young to realize that he was a stoner but i just remember his whole house smelling like incense <laughs> i didn't know why <laughs> um but like yeah he was really cool he sort of rather than like teaching me songs and like tablature it just like say bring a cd in or something that you like and we'll figure it out together that's cool and he had like a four track uh, tape recorder and he'd like get me to play some chords and then over the top of that play some weird soloy notes. So I think he sort of helped me um, just like put sort of start thinking about mm. like writing songs and stuff really. And then, um, and then when I was about 15 or 16, I started sort of messing around in bands and... Um, we used to go to this place called the Rock Cafe, the Rock Cafe, and that was like near um, near where where I went to school, and it was like me and a bunch of other kids that were like ranging between like fourteen to eighteen, mm. but we were all pretending to be eighteen, so we got served for booze. <laughs> we we'd get like a half bus fare on the way over there, pretending we were under sixteen, and then when we turned up, we'd be trying to get served booze being like 18 or over so it was like we were in that sweet spot yeah yeah um and then like b even before i started being in bands uh i'd literally turn up there with my guitar and it'd be like an open mic sort of jam night and like you'd just see other people there'd be someone with a bass or someone with their like drum bits and you'd just be like oh can you play this song by this person or do you know what mm. i mean like you'd you'd literally sweep the room when you got there and then you'd just get up on stage and play like three or four songs. That's really cool. Like sometimes with a bunch of randomers that you haven't even met before. But um, yeah, that was, that was kind of like, that sort of planted the seeds mm. of like, just like playing music, but also like writing stuff or just playing live, I think. Just getting 
getting into it, mm. really. And was, what kind of like made you gravitate towards guitar? Was it because you were kind of like listening to sort of like more guitar-paced sort of bands, or did you kind of try other instruments first and then kind of think, "Oh no, guitar is what I want to actually focus on." It just kind of felt easy, really, and like yeah, like you know, I remember like learning three chords like A, D, and uh, E, mm. and like it took a while because i was so little when i first started learning how to play guitar i couldn't even like really my fingers used to really hurt from like trying to play <laughs> yeah. it on this like shitty wide-necked acoustic guitar but like i remember like learning those learning three chords and i was like whoa it was like achievement unlocked <laughs> like i was like I, my guitar teacher was like well you can play this song with those chords or this one or this one and i was like what just from like knowing these three shapes mm. And um, yeah, like that just felt really cool. Just having that ability to sort of demystify it a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then it's, the other thing I always kind of find interesting is sort of like people's exposure to sort of live music. And we've kind of mentioned a couple of venues, but and obviously you guys are a Leeds-based band now. But we, did you grow up in Leeds? No. So I'm from Midlands originally. Right. I'm from a place called Hales Owen, which is, I think there's there's a book that's like top 50 crappiest towns. <laughs> and I think Hales Owen's like around 10 or something. It's like, it's it's pretty high up. Right, okay. It's it's basically like a, a brutalist, uh, glorified, well, the, the city, set, the town center is just an Asda now. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's it. And then it's like, kind of like a mix of like suburbs and like just trashy areas and I don't know it's just like a bit of a random place but it's kind of close it's only 20 minutes from Birmingham Centre but also like half an hour from Wolverhampton right yeah yeah like so it was quite easy to just like jump on a bus and go and see a gig or go and play or whatever mm. so it it was kind of like a nice, it was like you were in like a kind of safe-ish area, but you could still go and like check stuff out. Yeah. So were you going to, was like Birmingham kind of like your local spot where you were kind of going to gigs when you were younger then? Yeah, I'd see quite a few in Birmingham, but to be honest, like Wolverhampton had like a bit more of an edge. Oh, okay. It was kind of like, it was kind of cool, a band's a tour there, and there was like the Wolverhampton civic and wolfron and they'd always get like really interesting bands like coming through playing there um so yeah we'd like rock up and see bands there i think um the first band that i saw was at wolverhampton uh civic and it was presidents of the usa oh nice you, do you remember yeah them? yeah yeah that did that song lump and that other one called peaches yeah um and they were supported by cooler shaker oh, wow. <laughs> which was pretty nuts um but yeah that was like the first gig i went to when i was like um shit how old was i i think i was like 14 or yeah. something i remember like me and my brother pogoing but not in a punk rock way we were pogoing because we couldn't see the stage <laughs> <laughs> we were like trying to get a view over everyone's heads 
So, like, I guess in, in that, so did, did that kind of, like, go into those shows? Did you kind of, was there anyone that you saw in those early days where you kind of thought, like, oh, this, because obviously my understanding of, like, Wolverhampton specifically, I didn't really know there was much of a scene there, whereas obviously with Birmingham, it's got a bit more kind of history and things like that. But mm. but were they kind of like smaller shows? So you kind of knew that playing a show was, was more attainable? Because I always find it interesting, like, when people have that light bulb moment of, like, rather than seeing like a band on a big stage, it, it feels like miles away. Whereas if you see a band in a pub, like it's that kind yeah. of, oh, I could do that sort of thing. So did you have that quite early on? Um, not until not until I was probably about 16 or something. Um, but yeah, there'd be like certain, there'd be like certain like bands, like that place I was on about the Rock Cafe where we used to go and hang out and stuff. There'd be bands that were playing that. I remember a band called God Size and they were like, kind of like a hardcore band. Mm. And they were like, a, they were like the kids that were like a couple of years older than us. Right, they okay. probably like had their shit together a little bit more. But for us, they were like a local band, but you could tell there was something there. Do you know what I mean? I think they like toured and stuff and we were like, whoa like they're getting out yeah like, yeah like it was that sort of thing where we kind of looked up to him and like a few other bands that were like that but it weren't a million miles away mm. it weren't like a, a uh you know an unreachable sort of thing yeah we we're just like oh well they're just a few years older but like they're doing it and it doesn't seem that impossible mm. um and like uh, I was like knocking, like started up bands from around 16 onwards where uh, we just like book gigs mm. or, or we'd just try and get shows. But we used to be like, we used to practice more in those bands now than I do with any of the bands that I'm in now <laughs> that are like, you know, professional bands or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's... We used to like practice like twice a week and get the bus into Birmingham and stuff. We were like dedicated. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's a, a nice segue then into kind of like what would you consider was like your first like proper bands then like maybe not necessarily one because I think everyone kind of has those like either like college bands or school bands that play a couple of local shows and then that's kind of it but what was the first band that you consider ones that was actively doing shows maybe doing a few out of town things and stuff like that um well, yeah, I think, like, the bands that I was in when I was at, like, school and college was kind of, like, trying stuff out. Mm. It was more about, like, messing around with your mates and, like, you know, we recorded, like, a few EPs, but we'd never been to a studio before, so we were, like, all dead giddy about that. Yeah. And then, like, whatever shows we played were, like, a little bit novelty, but, like, really fun. Um, but they weren't like, it was mainly just like our mates that come and see us. It weren't getting out of town or doing anything different. Um, and then it's kind of when I came to uni really, mm. um, uh, did, I studied visual communications, which is like an art, art course, but it's like a glorified art foundation yeah. really. <laughs> but like, um, I met my partner Lynn's there and uh Matt uh Matt Bigland was on that course who's in 
dinosaur pylon. Yeah. Um, me, Matt, Linz, and a dude called Shakes who played drums ended up forming a band pretty much within our, f well, within like a month of like meeting each oh, other. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Um, which was ace. Like it took a while to sort of get off the grounds because we were like writing for a while, me, Matt and Linz, but didn't have a drummer. Mm. So we were kind of like figuring out like a bit of a vibe with like writing and stuff. Uh, and then when Shakes joined, we started like booking gigs and whatever. And I, th I feel like that was like the first proper yeah. band that I was doing. Uh, that I've done um and then with that we kind of we we only really released a seven inch properly that we recorded with um Justin from a band called My your code name is my yeah yeah that we really dug at the time and is in editors now mm. as well actually um yeah we just we were just cheeky as fuck we were just like <laughs> We emailed him saying like, oh, we love your code name is Milo. We haven't got any money, but uh, if you ever want to like record a new band, we'd love to do it. <laughs> and then uh, we sent him a CD and then he just got in touch and he was like, yeah, Mint, come up. That's <laughs> so good. And then, yeah, but, um, but it was kind of like short lived. Uh, like it was called Mother Vulpine, that band. Mm. But uh, I don't know if I mentioned it, but yeah. Um, we were literally like still at uni, like trying to like balance uni, but like still play gigs and whatever. Um, but we ended up like doing this tour where we supported the Eagles of Death Metal. Oh, wow. Which was insane. Like the only, like we'd played in, we'd played like York and like Birmingham and, you know, stuff around places around Yorkshire, but we hadn't like tour toured. Mm. And then... I don't, I can't even remember how it came about, but like, I think we put loads of shit on like the Queens of the Stone Age forum at the time, record records. And, um, I don't know, like word got around or something. Uh, cause we hadn't even like released our singles at that point. And, um, we just got asked if we'd be up for like being main support for Eagles of Death Metal. That's insane. On, like, the whole UK tour because the band that was meant to, be supporting them ended up having a fight in Europe and broke up oh, shit. Like, before they came over to the UK. And so we were just like, oh shit. Uh, yeah, we said yes to it. And then we just had to figure out how to do it. Within yeah. Like yeah. A week. So it was like, it's kind of like a bit of a baptism. Yeah, bat definitely. Baptism of fire, to be honest. So was that your first like touring experience? Yeah, pretty much. That's insane. Playing, like, playing like academy venues and then the final show was in london astoria which doesn't exist anymore but it was like fucking insane it was huge so how did you like because the traditional way i guess is like especially for like smaller bands you do like a little run of like i don't know maybe supporting a band or like just a run of your own shows and kind of do the whole diy side of things but if you're doing that like how was that experience? Like, did you kind of have to just like literally like learn as you go kind of thing? We did in terms of like tour wise and like tour etiquette sort of stuff. But I mean, playing live, we played a lot of gigs and like practice loads because we all lived together as well mm. in one house. So like, 
yeah, we'd just be constantly like in the basement that was filled with mattresses, just writing tunes and practicing. Um, so yeah, we were like pretty confident when it came to like playing live. Um, but like, yeah, figuring out how to do a tour and stuff is a totally different ball game, and it really yeah, it's yeah. Like, we hadn't spent loads of time away or in a van or. I, th- I don't think we'd even booked half of the hotels. We like crashed on people's floors, and uh, I think we slept in the van at one of the gigs. Yeah. Like we literally like hadn't really like processed or thought anything out that that far in advance. But it was ace. It was really cool. Like it's sort of like it, it was like a nice eye opener, eye to like um, just doing more touring mm. and stuff. And I guess. I guess that sort of like planted the seed for like doing more stuff with horses after, after that band Volpine, you know, ended. Mm. So, what what kind of sound was was Volpine? Um, it was like, it was kind of like indie, m- mixed with like super heavy, doomy riffs. Right. Okay. Weird. Like, you know, we're really into like Queens. But then there was probably like a bit of Interpol there. And then like our drummer Shakes was like super into like dance and stuff mm. like like Daft Punk and Soul Wax and like more electronic stuff. So I think he added more of a dancey beat, whereas like the rest of us played in like drop C. So we'd right. be like playing up, up high, sort of like um, delayed, sort of like jangly guitars. And then we'd just like drop into like doom riffs <laughs> for like a split seconds just to like make people crap their pants or <laughs> <That's> so good. <laughs> like drop drop the brown though yeah maybe. yeah definitely but um it was definitely like had its own sort of like thing um but it yeah it was just short-lived mm. like we didn't we i don't think we properly had enough time to like grow into it you know with um we we only had like seven songs or something and those are what we played live like if we ever got asked to do an encore we'd just be like we'd either say no or we'd be like well we can play the one from the beginning again at the end if you want to want to hear a song again do a bit of an alice cooper <laughs> yeah yeah bookend it with the same song <laughs> so obviously from there i'm guessing that's kind of where where horses formed sort of after that yeah. So, talk me through because I know that you were kind of like the last sort of piece of the j- jigsaw that kind of joined horses. So, talk talk yeah. me through like how you kind of met those guys and and how it came to be. So, it was through James uh, James Brown, the guitarist. He had a a record label called On the Bone, and he managed a few bands and he'd like release a few singles and stuff. And he released. Um, that Volpine seven inch right, okay. on his label and he'd he sort of managed us and he'd come out on tours and whatever. And then um after like Volpine split, I think he he started like messing around like uh with Rob and Lee, mm. our old drummer. Uh and they were just sort of jamming I think I think they've wanted to be like a Jesus lizard sort of mm rip-off band 
um and they and they, i think they'd had like a few rehearsals and I, I know like james was like saying that they needed someone to like do vocals or like step in because like rob and james weren't really like doing it and then uh he knew i was kind of like free and looking to do something after like all the vulpine stuff so he just gave me a shout and said fancy turning up and like having a practice and i was like yeah sure let's see what happens and um and yeah that was it <laughs> like I, I turned up with my guitar and like i i'd met rob a couple of times like re like about a month or two before that round james's just having like a drink and i think we played might have played guitar hero together or something yeah <laughs> and i'd seen him around at gigs and i'd met lee like once or twice but um i was like really intimidated when i first met him because he played in this like super noise rock band called concentration champ <laughs> that's a brilliant name and it's, oh it's ridiculous it's problematic but yeah <laughs> yeah they they actually said that they did a tour of poland and it was like the best oh, tour they've ever done like no. people were just like that is the most punk rock name you could have whereas they were like actually like really nervous yeah about yeah change our name but uh yeah the, so the first time i met lee was like just after we'd played a gig and they play with like stockings over their heads right like a two-piece and it and he's like you know, he's like covered in tats, top half, just looks like really scary. And then I, I remember meeting him in like the toilets after I'd had a piss and like James was like, oh, this is Lee, by the way. And uh, I just like shook his hand and I was like, all right, mate. And um, yeah, felt a bit like intimidated <laughs> by him and then realized that he's a massive softie just <laughs> pretending that he's a hard punk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just to kind of backtrack a little bit, because obviously you were kind of brought in for to do the vocals with horses. So were you doing vo vocals in Volpine as well? No, I, well, I did a tiny bit of like backing vocals, mm. but um, it was mainly Matt singing and then Linz, my partner, would be doing a lot of the backing vocals with him, like kind of harmonies and stuff. Mm. But I'd sung in bands before when I was like at college and stuff so i had sort of done it a bit but um and like written songs at home but like yeah with that i, I just sort of like turned up with my guitar and then just started yelping yeah over, yeah over everything really and because it 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 was like it kind of clicked really naturally like we're all kind of like quite um we're all quite different to each other like personality wise so it could have been like awkward as fuck or it could have <laughs> yeah. like I, I always kind of feel like every it's always on the edge you know there's always kind of like a weird sort of like imbalance going on and stuff but in a really interesting way and like when i turned up to that practice it just kind of like weirdly felt right mm. even though you know most times you turn up to a practice well well to like play music with like a couple of people you haven't met before it's a bit like dating or something yeah yeah yeah. You're just sort of like cautiously seeing what you can do or like you're not quite yourself are you but yeah it just sort of like kicked off really mm. so when you kind of joined did you kind of like want to pursue doing vocals kind of thing a bit more or was it just you got there had a go at it and kind of enjoy, enjoyed it sort of thing 
Yeah, it was more like that. Like, yeah, just sort of nobody else really stepped up to the mic. So I was like, oh, fuck it. I'll just sort of make some noise or fill the gaps mm. or just kind of like play around. And then, um, and then it kind of just stuck, really. It sort of went from there. But like, weirdly, I remember uh, like the first or second practice, we were playing like, I'd already kind of written parts of High Five. Right, okay. uh, Punch the Lion um, just at home, just almost kind of waiting to put it somewhere. Mm. Um, You know, after like Volpine and stuff, I was just at home writing little weird ideas, but not really knowing. I didn't have a band or like a vehicle for it to like go into. And so I was just like, I was just like, oh, I've got this idea and then kind of chucked it in the mix and then everybody else added bits to it and it sort of like just really naturally snowballed from there, mm. really. And- Which is pretty, I think I think we were just sort of like going with the flow, like being pretty laid back about stuff. Cool. Right, so um, it kind of feels like you've kind of had like, every project you've been in, like, I guess, like, quote-unquote proper project, is you've had momentum on your side. Like, you mentioned with Volpine, the whole Eagles of the Metal stuff, and obviously with horses, like... So if I kind of give my introduction to you guys, like, you were, like, almost an entity before I even heard of anything from you guys because, obviously, like, I grew up on the South Coast, you were in Leeds, but, like, there was always, like, a buzz of, like, there's this band who are fucking wild and, like you need to check them out, blah, 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 and all this. And obviously, as you say, like, like there's just been a snowball effect with horses. So have you just kind of found that, like, everything you've kind of put your hand to, whether intentionally, has just kind of paid off sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, it was like good luck, stupidity, and stubbornness, and probably, like, just uh, just having the energy to, like, p- put ourselves into it as well. Um, and we didn't have any other, we didn't have loads of other things going on. We were kind of set on like, especially with horses, we were like, we didn't, in, and none of us intended on being a full touring band or to even, we didn't even like think that we were going to do an album. Really. It was very much like what was happening in front of us. We just jumped on, um, you know, we, we we were all like quite a big part of like really into like the Leeds DIY sort of music scene and like at the time there was like loads of like kind of like noise rock bands and all sorts of like cool shit going on. We just wanted to do that really and play at the Broodnell on these like weird all dayers and we'd kind of be happy with that. And then um and then we just started booking shows we we kind of like overplayed leads a bit at first i think and so we were like all right well let's just play some shows in like wakefield or york or you know not go too far but like just get out of town and then uh and then it all kind of like snowballed from there really and then i think because we didn't have loads of other commitments you know we didn't all have like i mean rob had a fairly decent job doing uh graphic design but like the rest of us didn't really have like massive commitments or jobs that we were like fully into. So we'd just like get out on the road. We were like a, a bunch of pirates. 
and so like whatever gig we got asked to do we'd just be like all right yeah cool we'll make it happen and we spent like a good couple of years just on the road really which was like pretty pretty full on especially when you know we didn't really have our shit together we'd be like sometimes like sleeping in the van in glasgow in like the fucking snow and like there was one time where like we played we supported blood red shoes in i don't even know where it was it was like loughborough or somewhere random and uh we didn't have anywhere to stay or any money so some of us slept in the van i think james crept into their travel lodge uh and basically got drunk and passed out in there and lee our drummer slept outside the van on the floor and he had an there was a he'd, he'd eaten some food or he had an apple and it was like next to him and he just like passed out in his sleeping bag and he said he woke up the next day and and the apple had a bite taken out of it <laughs> and it weren't him oh, God. but uh yeah i don't know we just sort of threw ourselves into it really mm. and we had the time to like put to it as well i guess and like as i said like because obviously i think in terms of you kind of touring and going further afield like it was a little while before but for like someone who was down south like there was like a buzz around you and like specifically around kind of like your live performances and, and things especially in those early days so yeah. was it strange that like as you say like you were you were playing kind of like leeds and york and places that were still closer to home but then you had like the throes of london and stuff that were where people were like starting to get really excited about hearing you and seeing you even though like they had no reference point up until that point. Was it quite a strange sort of thing to to see? Yeah, it was like, I remember um, I was speaking to uh, Jack actually from Alcapop, who's releasing the new horses stuff. Um, and he was saying the first time he saw horses was like at Buffalo Bar in London, mm. which was like a little dirgy basement bar that was like, uh, I think it was right by um, Islington Tube Stop, maybe. Yeah. Um, but like some cool bands would play there. There was like a lot of art rocker nights that went on there and stuff. Might have been one of them, actually. And he was saying there was like a total industry, well, just like a buzz in general ar around us. But I think we were a bit like oblivious <laughs> to it. We didn't really know. We were just excited to be out of Leeds playing a gig. But like our managers at the time were at that show who uh who like managed muse at the time mm. and ended up managing us which was like pretty nuts and then like a few other labels i'm sure like maybe the transgressive guys were at that or i don't know but um yeah there was like there was there was a, there was like an excitement in the air but as i said before we were like fairly oblivious to it not in a kind of nonchalant um arrogant way mm. like we we're just kind of eager and giddy and just like they were like what oh like coming to check out the us guys because they'd heard about us whereas we were just like oh cool we're playing a fucking gig <laughs> let's do it <laughs> it's yeah pretty like pretty simple mm. really and in sort of terms of that like 
Was there a moment that you can kind of like remember or, or like a specific sort of gig or anything where you can really remember like, oh, people like maybe not necessarily like industry types, but like more general fans, like really gave a shit and were interested in, in horses rather than like just your group of mates back at, back in Leeds and stuff. Was there, could, was there a moment in time that you remember like, oh shit, this stuff is actually like clicking with people? Yeah, I I guess it was around that sort of point when we'd like maybe release one, one or two seven inches, um, kind of before we recorded the our debut album. Mm. But it was like just yeah, just that sort of like stuff stuff gathering and excitement, um, and then like yeah, the shows started to get busier and busier, and like you know you'd see people turning up bringing their friends and going like, oh, you should check out this band. And it was like, it was a very sort of like organic build really. Mm. Cause we, we didn't really, um, we'd just play as much as possible, which meant like not just focusing on leads. We kind of basically grew as a band all over like the UK really before we even knew what we were doing or could play our instruments mm. half the time. We were just like, fuck it let's just go out and grow in the public eye sort of thing really mm. um but like you know we we used to like i mean there'd be like shows that we i remember playing in oxford once and we literally played to the bar staff and the support band that that were on before us and the promoter and that was yeah it. yeah but like because we'd spent hours in the van traveling to get there. We we just like played as we would in front of about, you know, a thousand people mm. or whatever. Because we were just like, there was a reason why we were there. So we were just going to do what we do. Yeah, yeah. And I think like having that mentality meant that like, you know, I know quite a few bands or I've seen bands in the past where they're like, oh, this is our big home show or oh, it's a London show, all the industry would be watching. And they feel like they have to step it up an extra notch with that. Whereas we've kind of just been like, well, let's just play every show like it's our last mm. because it could be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Do you know what I mean? Keep that sort of like urgency with yeah. it. And, and it still feels like that now, <laughs> which is pretty nuts. Like it's... It's familiar, like it's familiar and exciting, but also it could just fall apart at any second, <laughs> yeah. or or the band could not, might not exist in a week. Yeah, like yeah. it's always teetering on the edge, which you know keeps it keeps it interesting, yeah. I guess. Well, it does for us. And obviously, like as you said, like you were kind of like almost learning as you were going, kind of thing. And then obviously when. Because, as you say, you were sort of touring around the UK constantly before before you had, like... I know you had, like, the seven inches and stuff, but before, like, your first proper full length. And I guess, like, from that, like, where, like, transgressors became involved and, and things like that, it kind of made it a bit more kind of quote-unquote professional in some instances. So yeah. was that kind of, like, a weird gear shift for you guys? Like, going from being the band that said yes to everything, did whatever you wanted kind of thing, 
to then almost having to like pull back the reins a little bit and say, oh no, we've now got a label. We need to do like an an album campaign. We need to do an album tour and and do like yeah. the more professional side of things. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it helps having like other people around. Mm. Uh, you know, to like do things and help manage our time and whatever, you know, it became in a positive way, it became a bit more of a machine, but in terms of like just taking away all the extra shit that you end up doing. Um, and you know, like the guys at transgressive and like, uh, like big scary monsters in the past mm. and, and whoever else we've worked with, uh, and two pure records. Um, just been like supportive and like behind us and also sort of like teaching us like the best ways to go about stuff, but like putting like having like putting enough trust into us to let us still do what we want to do, but not put putting too much pressure on that. We like freak out. Mm. But then, like I said before, I think we were kind of like a bit uh, oblivious to stuff anyway. <laughs> we were just, we're just kind of going with the flow and just enjoying it. So it was like, okay, yeah, there's more things to be doing or, you know, more interviews or think, you know, artwork to be done for like the album. But we're like, fine, it's, it's cool. It's busy. It's, it's all positive and it. Mm. And I'm going to kind of sort of jump forward a little bit, but, but in a roundabout way, but because obviously like when you guys kind of first came on the scene and I think it was interesting that you, brought up blood brothers earlier because when you guys kind of came on the scene a lot of people made comparisons to especially live like what you guys were like with bands like daughters like blood brothers and things like that but then obviously like throughout the years your sound has, has slightly changed and deviated but it still kind of had that horses element to it but then yeah. if we get to where Blood came out in 2014, like obviously that got huge like critical acclaim, but also was like a big record because of it, it was out on Sony and things like that. But I don't want to say like that there was need for you to change your sound to suit a bigger label, but did you feel that there was pressure because you were now like, quote unquote, with the big boys that, that you needed to be a bit more palatable in any sense? Yeah, I think there was, to be honest. And, like, I... Some of... Half of Blood I like, and half of it I'm a bit like, oh, I don't know if that's, um... Whether it's, like, fully true to what I wanted to mm. do or intended. No, no, it's quite... Yeah, it was quite, um... Quite a confusing time doing that, and there was more pressure and more conversations, but it was quite confusing in a sense of like, what do we do? Things were like stepping up, but, um, but we we were kind of like also like exploring other stuff rather than like being a bit of a one trick pony, yeah. even though like, you know, the first two albums still sound different to each other. I think we're just trying to like, maybe, well, we're just trying to like figure out how to like write songs a bit more mm. and, oh, is it, has the internet gone weird? No, again? you're good. All oh, right. 
I'm just <laughs> I'm just getting nervous about the internet now. Um, yeah, when we were doing Blood, it was kind of, I think we were all kind of like in, coming at it from different angles as well. So it's quite hard to like get it all together. Like, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, didn't quite click. And like, you know, I'm still proud of everything that we've done. And that's like a part of our um journey was like doing that stuff but at the same time it was quite a uh intense confusing sort of period of time mm. for me personally i don't know about the other guys but it was like trying to figure out what we wanted to do but i think we were kind of like almost sucked into playing the game a little mm. bit as well well you'd not just solely thinking about writing tunes and playing live, you're kind of getting caught up with like a lot of other stuff as well, mm. which I don't really think you need to do. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And I think like, because also part of that, obviously like sort of like playing, correct me if I'm wrong, but obviously where you kind of get to that stage, obviously where you are now, do you think that that kind of like, was a learning curve that kind of helped you guys sort of stay a band for as long as you have because like a lot of like the bands that kind of came up around the same time as you have have either gone like completely one direction and they've completely changed their sound or yeah. they're no longer bands anymore whereas you guys like even though, as you say, you were playing the game a little bit, have always there's always been that part that has kind of stayed true to what made you, like, horses in the first place, if that makes sense. So, I don't know, do you yeah. think that experience kind of helped you kind of stay together? I think so, yeah. Um, and I think, like, just still, still having the same buzz for playing live uh, helped loads. You know, we'd always push ourselves mm. and see you know see how far we could push things and still played a lot of shows um but i feel like that was like a period where we were like finding our feet again um you know the first two albums kind of flowed mm. into each other so much and then after like tough love second album we then toured that loads and, and we were kind of away for ages and then i remember kind of like coming back again we didn't have as many gigs or festivals booked in and we were like oh shit we've got a we've got to write the next album mm. and it took quite a long time like quite a lot of like finding our feet again and i don't think we quite knew how to play it really mm. um and then since then i think we've kind of just like stepped back but in a good way in terms of just like trusting ourselves and going with our gut yeah. a little bit more and like um, I think like the trajectory of like the band, you know, we're not, I think that was like our peak in terms of how popular we were as a band. It, I think, you know, after it's kind of like tailed off a little bit, I think the pressure was off then. And yeah. I think we've kind of just gone like, oh, it's fine. We're like, we just want to be a fucking band <laughs> and yeah. write and record and tour and try not to get too caught up in all the other shit. Yeah, really. yeah. Um, and you mentioned then, like, obviously, kind of that element of sort of 
being away for, I guess, kind of like out of the quote unquote limelight for a while, and then sort of having to sort of write the record and so on and so forth. And I guess part of now with COVID has kind of added to it a little bit, but we're up to where we are now. And obviously the the gap between the haze, it, it feels like, again, you guys have kind of been gone for, for a substantial amount of time, but now things are yeah. back. So I don't know, this time around with the gap, does it now, does it feel a bit more comfortable or is it that like, Oh, this feels weird coming back into to things again? It kind of, it feels a bit weird to be honest. Um, like through like the haze, uh, it was, a well, like the past couple of years have been a bit of a bumpy road. Mm. Um, like personally, like each one of us and as a band and like, you know, um, you know, not, not going into it, but like quite a bit of negativity and like stuff within the industry and whatever. It's kind of been a bit, um, bit all, all over the place. Mm. Um, and then with like the new album that we've got coming out, um, we had like a bit of, we had like some fire in our bellies with that. And it was like, we were like, we don't give a fuck what's going on. <laughs> we we just want to write some tunes together. And we kind of, the overall goal that I had in my head was like, we're going to simplify stuff. We're going to like, um, well, we basically did it. Uh, we like played live. Uh, we, we like write, wrote about like nine or 10 songs, played them in live to like a load of people um, all around like the UK in like little sweaty venues. And then two weeks after that, we, uh, we went straight into the Nave studio in Leeds and just laid it down and recorded everything. Um, and then like, obviously like went back and did some like vocals and stuff after, mm. but the intent, the intention of that was to like, just capture that like magic of like, we've written the songs, we've done the hard work, but then like road test them and like break them in live. Yeah. Um, so we kind of had that and we've captured that. And then, uh, but that was like the end of 2019 mm. and then early March, we, we we were sort of like mixing it, getting it ready to like finish. And then that's when like the whole pandemic yeah, hit. Yeah. So, um, so like on top of that, there was like some other shit that went down and whatever. And we were just like, this album was intended to be live mm. yet. There's no venues. There's no bands playing for like the next, however, you know, well, half a year, is it going to be a yeah, year? Yeah. Like we didn't know. So we kind of, we were just like, you know what? It's not right for us to like, just release it out of the blue and not be able to like support it by actually playing it mm. how it was intended. So we kind of just put it on the back burner a little bit really until, until recently when it kind of felt a bit more right yeah. to, um, you know, start coming out of hibernation really, mm. I guess. And obviously the big sort of, I guess, change, well, one of the bigger changes for on this record is that you, you've you kind of stepped away from guitar duties and, and purely focusing on, on the vocals. So can you talk me through a bit more, like, why why that decision? Um, I wanted to, 
I wanted to like mix it up for me personally mm. uh, in terms of like, I, I've, I've kind of felt like in the past, like on a few songs that we used to do, I'd just sing and not play guitar. Right. And I always just like really enjoyed that, the element of that. And, and then when I'd like go back to like playing my guitar, I almost felt like I was on like, you know, when you see uh, people with like their kids, their toddlers on those little coiled sort of like, leash, leash. <laughs> yeah. which is really fucking weird anyway, to have your kid on a lead. But like, I felt like I was like on a, on a lead, just getting like tugged back yeah. and I couldn't quite do what I wanted to do, even though like I would still end up like climbing in the crowd with my guitar or whatever. So it was like, it was, yeah, it's like, I just want to like do things in a different way. Mm. But then also like sonically uh, in terms of um, the way we sounded in the room and stuff, I was like, what's the simplest way of us changing the dynamic? And it was like, well, rather than having like the dueling guitars of like me and James trying to like creep onto each other's space all the time or like double solos and shit, I was like, well like strip it down so it's literally just guitar bass vocals drums mm. do you know what i mean and um and that was like really refreshing like it just sounded way more like direct and kind of even though we i'd written a, a few of the songs and playing it guitar uh, playing it on guitar in the room as soon as i dropped the guitar it was like oh it's way clearer and it's just like in your face that's cool so yeah like really excited to like play some more shows in that sort of way mm. and like when we did that small run of gigs leading up to like recording the album like i didn't play guitar for any of that oh, okay. so it, was, it kind of felt like a new band for yeah, me yeah. it's like really it was it's quite nerve-wracking it's quite exposing because i didn't have like anything to hide behind mm. but at the same time it was like a different experience so yeah it's cool mm. and i know obviously like the the album's sort of slated for for sort of spring next year but like can you give us sort of any indications of like what you are kind of going for with this record like is there sort of any particular themes that you're addressing is there any big swerves that we can expect what what are you kind of like what was the vibe of this record um it's pretty meat and potatoes really <laughs> it's like um i mean it's not there's a lot of stuff lyrically that i've put in there that you know that i've been quite like into and like thought about quite a mm. lot but in terms of sound sonically it's very direct it's it's kind of like old school um there's a lot of like stooges in there rolling stones um i don't know like a bit of a kind of 70s vibe to it um and then like punk stuff like the cramps ramones the damned um but then like lyrically just kind of like venting a lot of frustrations mm. really and like weirdly it was all written before the pandemic but so much of it like resonates with the way things are now yeah, yeah. and kind of um not like 
not dwelling on the negative but but acknowledging that yeah what's going on and kind of being like not in an arrogant uh, not in a sort of ignorant way but being like i can't deal with all this stuff <laughs> yeah like i need to shut it off and i need to connect with people again and people need to connect together a bit more rather than just existing looking at the phones and on social media um but yeah there's quite a lot of like recurring themes that are like similar to that that i didn't even realize until like you kind of see i had to like print all the uh lyrics out just for like uh album prep yeah. and then yeah. it kind of, it was quite weird reading back through them after i was like this is quite um it, it does feel like it's it's all coming from the same place without even realizing mm, that's cool a lot of a lot of kind of like anxieties explored and struggling with like the overwhelm of like you know content media things shouting at you all the time <laughs> yeah. you know like eight different messaging platforms and yeah like that kind of the, the sort of aspects of technology where you sort of getting dragged down by him a little bit mm. but then but then a bit of a self-help guide behind it you know a voice behind it that's like trying to inject positivity into it as well mm. and uh and being like um yeah flip stuff around from like negative to a positive that's cool without getting too hippie about it <laughs> <laughs> that's cool i i haven't i haven't uh i haven't been doing yoga <laughs> um and you obviously you mentioned like when you were kind of sort of first exploring this record everything that the the sound of it was kind of almost by nature designed to be played live and mm. obviously now that we know that this record is coming out you've obviously also announced that there's going to be this run of shows in in april um but april's still a long way away so have you got plans to do anything in the in the interim or are you holding yeah. out and then wanting april to be like a big celebration kind of thing i think in terms of playing live um we're just gonna like focus on playing those shows as like the first lot but we're definitely gonna like release more stuff mm. before that um we're gonna yeah we're gonna do a another single that's gonna come out soon um and a seven inch which we're just working on well tommy and uh the designer luke drozd uh just like finalizing designs that's and cool. stuff at the moment but um yeah it's been quite cool doing that sort of stuff and like i i always i mean we're all artists that are in the band so it's kind of um you know, it's like an extension of like the music mm. really for us to like be in control of the artwork. But um because we've all got like slightly varied like tastes and whatever in, in like art, we've ended up like getting in one of our pals, Luke, who's like a poster artist, um, and he's done like loads of like album art stuff before, to like come in and create that for us as like or else we'd just end up going around in circles, <laughs> yeah. disagreeing on things. But um, but the artwork looks cool as fuck. It's like it's like a mix of like those photos 
uh, photos from like the last tour that we did. Um, there's loads from like Sheffield Picture House when we played there because mm. like the lighting was like really stark but really nice and um, we've kind of like fucked with them and like photocopied them and then just sent him a load of stuff and then it's kind of like collaging stuff That's together. Cool. But it's quite nice like getting someone involved that you trust but also going like just do your thing mm. and then, you know, kind of look forward to like seeing it on the other side when it comes back. That's cool. Um, yeah. And just in terms of kind of like the, the record itself, as I say, it's kind of, I know it's, it's slated for, for spring, but have you kind of got, I don't want to, I know you may not be able to talk about it, but have you kind of got rough idea of, of when it will be out or are you kind of just sticking to spring as a kind of like a rough idea at the moment? I think, yeah, just keeping it rough, keeping it moody and mysterious for the time <laughs> being. Mainly, bec- mainly because like all the press implants are fucking yeah, backlogged. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. Like when we um, we mastered the album uh, a bit ago at Metropolis Studios, and um, we were like chatting to a few of the dudes there, and they were saying that they've heard that like some bands are waiting like fourteen months mm. to like get their uh, records pressed and back, sent back to them, which is insane. Yeah, really. it's like, um, do you know Deathwish, the like American Hardcore label? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, oh, that do all like the um, horror soundtrack stuff? No, no, like the... Um, like, oh, no, that's Death Deathwish. Yeah. yeah. But like they... Yeah, no, Death they, um I remember they put out a thing like the other day, well, about a month or so ago, saying that their turnaround at the moment for for records is like 18 months and it's just like it's and that's for like a pretty big like established like metal label and it's yeah it's nice but um i'm convinced that uh half the people don't even listen to the record though it's more like a memento collector sort of thing yeah like i'm I, i was like Maybe we should just gamble it and go to a charity shop and just re relabel a load of like <laughs> existing twelve inches that have come out. Go and get a load of Cliff Richard albums and put our sticker on them. To be fair, you could do that as like a limited edition and just see what happens. <laughs> see if anyone notices. That would be amazing. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Tom, before I let you go, how I like to sort of round things off is to ask my guests like what their favorite song is, but with a bit of a twist. So okay. what's your favorite horses song that you like to play live and why? Uh, favorite song. I'm, uh, I'm one of those people that's always, I'm always into the new stuff just because I'm like buzzing off mm. it. But then there's always the flip round of playing a song that, people just go nuts to yeah and so like i think i mean i think high five maybe isn't my favorite song out of all everything that we've done yeah but like in terms of playing live you can't really like beat yeah like yeah the sort of atmosphere and like tension and like kind of like everything sort of kicks off whenever we play that even if it, even if we're like the support band for like a band or whatever, that always just it's like a bomb going off. I don't even <laughs> yeah. know 
it's like it's such a ridiculous song that doesn't make any sense but it's like it's also like one of the first songs we wrote yeah, as a band yeah. so it's just quite like yeah quite a it's definitely like the um what would you say it's like the the benchmark for like us right stuff. yeah really. yeah so yeah i'd go with that but that's a bit of a bit of a cop out <laughs> not, not at all not at all <laughs> perfect well tom thank you very much for your time really appreciate it I honestly cannot wait it's to hear it. the record when it does does drop i think it's like i think it's just nice to have horses music back in the world to be honest from my perspective oh nice man yeah yeah i'm psyched for people to hear it too and um yeah and we'll have to get some more shows on the go because we've only got like a few. yeah yeah come down to bristol. i was gonna say you need to play bristol that's all we get yeah 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 uh, bristol's got a place in my heart definitely perfect the amount of amount of times we've played there it's always been a good perfect. one but yeah tom thank you very much for your time mate cheers no dude worries. thanks thanks for having cool. me So there we have it folks again a huge thank you to tom for taking some time out of his day and having a chat with me and for sticking with us whilst we had the technical issues uh his internet fell out a few times and then i had an issue recording my end but we got there in the end and i hope you agree it was a very very good chat um i'm actually going to be away on tour for next week but i do have another episode lined up for for next week but then again there might be a tiny bit of radio silence whilst i'm catching up with myself um, but yeah, I'm heading out on tour with Svalbard as of this Saturday. So if you're at any of their UK shows, come say hi. I will be the person at their merch stand. But apart from that, as always, thank you for stopping by the Justin Insight podcast. And I will see you soon. Mm-hmm.